Hello and welcome to Fat Cat Pod, a podcast about economic crime, corruption and political scandal. I am your host Amy and this is episode 4 where we are travelling to the Indian subcontinent. So I absolutely had to cover the story of the guy who attempted to sell the Taj Mahal not once but thrice. It's not a story that I know very well being being from little old England Um, but today I'm going to cover the man billed as India's favourite con artist villain and somewhat of a folk hero Nutvalal. Um, From the get-go I just want to say that um, Nutvalal, so this is kind of going to be like this fun podcast that kind of meanders through this guy's life. He's a fraudster who hustled him his way through the decades he was you know a lifelong hustler which means um that we are talking about someone who basically compulsively lied for the whole of their life so um the health warning i guess at the beginning of this podcast is going to be that um there's a lot of facts i mean there's a lot of stuff about nutvala and his life and facts which have are very difficult to verify let's just say um a lot of a lot of the content online about Nutvalal is in Hindi I do not speak Hindi um and there's there's not as much on there's not as much English language information out there um and also just because of this compulsive lying hustler um yeah there's just a lot of the information is just quite sketchy and you know maybe not verifiable and yeah there's a lot of unknowns I mean uh, there's even kind of conjecture over when this guy was born and when he died I mean yeah so when you have um someone where we can't even conclusively say those two facts um are established there's a lot in between which is kind of yeah um unverifiable so this is just gonna be like this really fun podcast about this iconic fraudster from the indian subcontinent the other health warning from the jump that i want to um put out there is that i don't speak hindi i do have a partner who is indian and despite that i'm just not going to be very good at pronouncing stuff i'm really sorry um so yeah from the jump i just want to say that it's probable i will give everything a good go but it's probable that i will mispronounce stuff and for that i am sorry um and um, i'm gonna do my best my best is probably not gonna be good enough so there we go (laughs) that's what i'm gonna those are the kind of things i'm gonna say from the jump so this is just gonna be this really fun kind of um overview of him and I'm also going to say that um, the things I'm going to talk about with Nutvalal are not necessarily going to follow in chronological order because again there's a little bit of um, uh, you know the guy kind of travels around the whole country um, pulling off frauds left right and centre and so again the, the order of things is not necessarily well established and verifiable so it's it's going to be this kind of um yeah just a gallop through Nutvalal's life 
He's a very interesting character. So, I mean, I've put out all these health warnings, but I promise you it's going to be fun. And then the other, the fine final from the jump. My voice sounds uh, a little bit funny, I think. Um, I am going through it with hay fever. So, yeah, my voice is going to sound a bit weird. We'll, we'll go with it, um, hopefully. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys enjoy. Okay, so I got that intro out of the way. Here we go. Natvalal was born Mitalesh Kumar Shivastava in a village named Bangra in Bihar, India, circa 1912. And I say circa 1912 because there's information to suggest that he wasn't born in 1912. Um, so, but most of the sources that I looked at um, put 1912 as the official um, year of his birth. So that's what I'm going with. And he was the elder of two brothers. Uh, his father worked as the station master at the local train station. And the story goes that at a young, a relatively young age, Nutvalar realised that he was quite good at forgery. Um, in his teens, he had a neighbour who who sent sent him on errands to go to the bank and deposit bank drafts. Uh, for young people listening to this, bank drafts are they're kind of like cheques, but the the bank guarantees them, so they're one notch above um, a cheque in terms of how how good they are I guess um, and Nutvalal found that he could convincingly forge his neighbour's signature and so he started withdrawing small amounts of money from his neighbour's bank account by the time Nutvalar had stolen a thousand rupees, he fled to Calcutta before anyone noticed. So a thousand rupees is not exactly crime of the century amounts of money, but in the context of the era, so it being 1920s India, and also the area, rural India, a thousand rupees is a fairly substantial sum. I haven't sat down to do the maths um, to work out exactly the equivalent, um, but yeah, it's it's significant money let's just say now calcutta was the capital of india under the british raj and the city is this melting pot of inequality so you've got a small wealthy elite rubbing shoulders with the british and a vast population uh, living in poverty with just this enormous gap between rich and poor and it's one of those um, cities where you can kind of easily get lost in um, and Nutvalal enrolls at university in Calcutta and he studies commerce alongside taking up odd jobs and amongst his odd jobs included uh, being a stockbroker and a text and he, he looks to set up a textile business that didn't really get off the ground. And that work doesn't really bring him any real success, but um, it did provide Nutvalar with some kind of insight into finance and textile industries. So from Nutvalar's formative years, he's kind of emerged with this unique knowledge of commerce, finance, textiles, and also being a railwayman's son, he understands the railway network, and in particular, he understands freight networks, and he's got a proven ability to forge signatures. So this is that this is all coming together to be, you know, he's got this skill set that's pretty solid foundations for a successful criminal career. Um, so yeah, this is all 
this is all looking great, isn't it? It is said that during his studies, Navalal convinces a wealthy businessman named Sef Keshev Ram that he was a qualified private tutor. And apparently he uses forged testimonies in order to secure the tutoring gig. And Navalal tutors Sef's children for some months. God knows what he teaches them. And he eventually approaches Sef to ask for a loan to pay for educational materials for the children. Seth declines and, irritated by this, Natvalal quits his job. And it's said that Natvalal wishes to seek revenge on Seth and he ends up taking up a job as the headmaster of the school in which Seth, Seth's children attend. And apparently he secures that role um, using forged references from other schools. Seth is really impressed by this, not by the forgeries, obviously he doesn't know about that, but impressed by the fact that Natvalar ends up as this in this role um, as the headmaster, and he rehires Natvalar and gives him a raise. And apparently Natvalar is not done with seeking revenge on Seth, and he propositions Seth with a shady business deal. Natvalar apparently tells Seth that he has a relative supposedly in Bombay, which is now Mumbai, who wants to dispose of 200 bales of cloth onto the black market and he's offering the 200 bales at 4.5 lakh rupees. For the uninitiated in India, a lakh is an expression of the figure 100,000 and just as an FYI, 4.5 lakhs for the time is, is a pretty large sum of cash. And there's a shortage of cloth um, at the time uh, on the on the market, uh, which should have been a red flag for Seth. Um, but Seth doesn't wish to pass up the opportunity to make a killing and agrees the price. Um, and it was agreed that Seth would advance the money to the relative in Mumbai and then Natvalar would personally guarantee the return of the bales to Calcutta. And then Seth, just to make sure that... Um, nothing wayward happens. Um, Seth insists that Natvalal is accompanied by one of his agents. So Natvalal and the agent um, head off to Mumbai to this supposed relative with four and a half lakh rupees, so lots of money. Um, and then the deal was that they would um, get the bales and go back to Calcutta with them and, and essentially do the transaction for on behalf of Seth. So on the journey to Mumbai, it's said that Natvalal tells the agent of the brutal Mumbai police force and infamous criminal underworld that would not hesitate dispatching any outsider who poached on their territory. And the agent grew nervous and begged Natvalal to seal the deal alone whilst the agent stayed behind in the Mumbai hotel that they were booked into. So Natvalal leaves with the four and a half lakhs and um, and he goes off to complete the transaction but he never returns to the agent so he just he just flies off into the night with four and a half lakh rupees which is a lot of money and before heading back to um calcutta nutvalal is said to have traveled to his hometown and he gives his father one lakh uh, telling his father that he had become a major shareholder of a Calcutta company. 
And on the ret- on Nutvalol's return to Calcutta, uh, Seth is to have um, Seth is said to have hired thugs uh, to um, to basically go after Nutvalol in order to retrieve the stolen money. And Nutvalol makes up this sob story to the to these thugs um, about having to run from the police in Mumbai and and needing to essentially abandon the money. Um, Seth doesn't believe Nutvalol and Seth gives him four days to return the money or um, he'll have Nutvalol murdered. And Nutvalol um, is said to have gone to the police and make, made a complaint about Seth and um, and made a complaint about the death threat and the alleg- and um, he he said that essentially he said to the police that the death threat was the, as a result of Nutvalol refusing to become Seth's agent of carrying out black market deals. Uh, so the heat turns on Seth, but he eventually manages, Seth manages to convince the police that he had been duped. And Nutvalol, long story short, I guess, Nutvalol is arrested on the 11th of December 1937 and he's apparently booked in under the wrong name. So he's at this point. I've for um, I should have probably said this at the beginning, but just for ease, I have called not for lol, not for lol throughout. Um, not for lol is not his name, as we realised. But essentially, they book him in on the wrong name, um, and he likes that, so he adopts the name not for lol there on in. So I guess this is the origin story of um, Nutvalol being called Nutvalol. Okay, so the textile scam on Seth um, is not only the kind of origin story for the name Nutvalol, but also it sets off these two sort of common themes that run throughout Nutvalol's con artist career. And the first one is Nutvalol's apparent disdain for the rich. And Throughout uh, his various scams, he does seem to predominantly target wealthy businessmen. Um, now, again, it's it's not clear if uh, this seems to be a prominent feature for Nutvalol or that in the stories over the decades, um, the really kind of big cons on like the wealthy, prominent people seem to be... Um, you know, the ones that we talk about the most and Nutvalol might just have been a scammer at all levels. Um, like a lot of these kind of scammers are, um, it's very opportunistic. And so perhaps that's not, you know, him targeting wealthy businessmen is not um, completely accurate. Um, but, you know, I think with the information we have that does seem to be a common theme but also in targeting these businessmen similar to how he targeted Seth there's also this pattern of Nutvalol putting his victims into compromising uh, positions uh, so that um, so with Seth it's this black market deal and he kind of puts them into a bit of a bind so it results in uh, the victims being reluctant later to report to the police out of fear um, of them doing so would uncover the kind of shady or illegal business activity that was taking place. Um, and then the other theme of Nut for Lol, um is that he goes to his hometown a lot and he gives a lot of his... Um, 
his spoils, I guess, to his hometown. And to the people of Bangra, he becomes a bit of a Robin Hood-like figure. And um, he, he gives money to the community of his childhood and he becomes this sort of larger than life character for that community. And this is where the um, this idea of Nutvalar becoming this character of folklore comes into play. And then also I think um, compounded with the fact that he targets the rich, I think again, there's this potential sort of class thing going on where, um, yeah, he's just seen as this, um, you know, the jokes on the rich guys and he's kind of this, um, you know, working class hero, I guess. Um, so that's, I think, the two elements with Nut for Love that make him become this, this kind of character of folklore. One of Nut for Love's early arrests uh, apparently involves him forging documentation to claim that he was the legal owner of seven tons of iron and then he goes on to sell the iron to a local dealer um, it said it's kind of funny because it said that he's kind of just walking along and um, he's just going up the street and stumbles across seven tons of iron just randomly left out um, and that gives him this idea for the scam. Um, it, you know, again, who knows? It, it doesn't, yeah, it sounds a bit um, implausible, um, but uh, that's how the story goes. And then once Nutvalal was caught, he was sentenced to six months hard labor. And Nutvalal, however, escaped prison before his release. Um, before his release and then once Natvalal is released from prison he makes a move to Madras which is now named Chennai and um, he begins to kind of uh, diversify with his uh, portfolio of fraud uh, so um, he kind of needs to mix it up and in order he, he, he is a very opportunistic kind of con artist I guess and um, He's traveling around the country and he needs to, he needs to kind of mix it up in order to um, stay in one place for longer than like a day um, without rousing suspicion, but also just take advantage of any given situation. Uh, so he's moving around the country, pulling off various um, grifts. Um, so what I'm gonna do now is I'll, I'll, I guess I'll do this kind of rundown of some of um, some of the modus operandi of Natvalal. So uh, and alongside um, the scams, um, another thing I guess you need to know about with Natvalal is um, he gets he gets caught and, and he gets caught a lot and he manages to escape from prison a lot. And another, arguably, his prison breaks are the most interesting part of Nutvalal. And he, he, there's some really kind of audacious escapes, which I'm also going to talk about. Um, so the first um, of the sort of many uh, ways that Nutvalal operates, um, I'm going to call it the, the freight hustle. Um, so Nutvalal, um, he does, he dabbles with different various scams 
um, early on and then he develops this freight hustle as a more established um, scam and amongst his earlier crimes it's said that he um, he would case out freight offices and look for stuff to steal and after earmarking um, you know random assortment of items that he could steal from a freight office um, he would create fake release orders and then he would use that documentation as part of a cover story um, that he was picking up the goods and he had you know legitimate um, you know legitimate claim to collecting those goods and then he would go on to sell those th those goods and he wouldn't discriminate with his stolen goods so you know machine engines boxes of nails just whatever was in that freight office that was worth stealing uh, he would he would try his hand at forging release forms for and an attempt to steal so we've kind of got this sort of twofold um, operation going on whereby he um, creates these forged documents to um, purport to have this um, claim to this these items and basically steal them and then he would go on to um, sell stolen goods um, so yeah we've got this kind of two two-way scam going on and then um, the other hustle that I'm going to talk about is um, what I'm going to describe as the jewellery hustle and um, another of Nutvalar's classic cons involved jewellery jewelry shops and um, it, this is the kind of scam where um, Nutvalar was sort of doing this whilst moving around because I wouldn't have imagined that this would be you would be able to pull this off um, more than just a couple of times in one area before everyone kind of gets on um, everyone sort of catches on to it and um, so you would need to do this sort of thing moving around so what Nutvalar would do is he would open um, a bank account with one of the larger banks and he would win the, the trust of uh, jewellery shopkeepers uh, by buying um, buying up jewellery and he would pay for them by cheque and then what he would do was he would close the bank account um, and on that same day he'd buy a large amount of jewellery um, with essentially forged cheques and then he would sell the stolen jewellery. So it's my understanding that Nutvalol did this kind of jewellery hustle a bit later on in his career when he had a bit more capital behind him because you would need to um you would need some money initially um to gain that trust of the shopkeeper um and buy legitimately a load of jewelry so i guess with um yeah you would need to um invest a little bit into that scam um before getting your return with um with that big uh with that big purchase let's just say um so yeah it's my understanding that that was done a bit later on in his career and then the other hustle we've got is the the con i'm going to call it the consignment hustle so it works a little bit like the jewelry hustle 
um, but on the railways. So he would book an entire wagon on a goods train, uh, supposedly for transporting goods of value like sugar, and then he would pay minimal transportation costs and um, he would use forged, set, um, forged documentation to sell the consignment of goods at the final destination. But when the consignment of goods arrived, the consignment would just consist of bags of sand instead of bags of sugar. And this, this kind of hustle evolved over the years and apparently it, uh, it turned into him transporting a bag of rice by train and then amending the purchase order to make it look like he had purchased a hundred bags of rice. Um, so then he would not only steal the rice, but he would also um, have convinced banks to provide him with loans to buy that rice and then make off with the money without paying back the loan so again it's this multi-layered um this multi-layered con um whereby he's not only just stealing stuff and reselling them but then also um stealing from the banks as well and yeah so there's a lot there's a lot going on and um you can kind of see how not for lols um kind of mode uh, mode of operating became very um, opportunistic he's also really um, using to his advantage his knowledge of railway logistics and the documentation involved in railway logistics in order to um, produce convincing faked documentation and I would say he would have been pretty good at um, he must have kind of known the, really the whole operations for logistics because it did it does look like he kind of um, he really mixed it up in terms of what what he would he would play around with the documentation and play around with the the system of fakery um, in order to kind of pull off different you know slightly different grifts each time gist of Nutvalar's operations, I'm just going to give you a flavour of the arrests and escapes. Um, so Nutvalar was once arrested in Putna and he was taken to court on three charges of fraud. On the way back from court, he conned his escorts into allowing him to see his supposed wife, who um, he had claimed was waiting in a house en route. And the police agreed and Natvalal entered the room um, where there was obviously no wife. And then he slipped out through the skylight whilst the police were guarding the front door. Um, and then in 1956, he was arrested in Meirut, um, by which time it was said that he had um, 35 cases against him. And, and then 10 months later, he was transferred to Lucknow. And then whilst in jail in Lucknow, um, Natvalal was said to have um, asserted himself as somewhat of a, like, a kingpin. And um, he was well liked and respected by the inmates and the prison officer staff alike. And he had certain privileges. So he had, um, um, apparently he had the privilege to move around the prison freely. And he even had his own prison cook that he hired called Dunny Ram. 
And Nutvalal was on first time first name terms with senior prison officials and then um he would have like bottles of liquor um that would appear at his dining table accompanied with his evening meals so he had a kind of like really sweet deal there and um it is said that Natvalar was a very um I mean obviously the people who were his victims wouldn't have said this but it was said that he was quite a charming character and apparently the story goes that um, it's kind of iconic um, and Natvalal decides um, when he's in prison, despite having this sweet deal, that it's time to split and it's it said that he stole a sub-inspector's uniform and then calmly strolls out of the jail in the uniform because everyone just thinks he's a, a, sub, a sub-inspector at this point. So some of these arrests and mis- um, arrests and escapes just make um, just make the prison officials and the police just look like absolute bungling idiots, and make Natvalal look like um, this very suave, sophisticated um, kind of guy that operates on a. A higher level to everyone else around him so again um, I do sort of question when I was looking into this on how much of have we just kind of in all of the folklore as it were um, elevated Natvalar into something that he wasn't because um, uh, I do sometimes I was reading this thinking like well police can be stupid but they can't be that stupid surely um, so uh, yeah who, who knows if you know on what level this was actually true or not you know and and um whether he really did um escape jail um disguised as a prison officer but as i said fun stories hey you know it's it's just a bit of fun i guess so another of Nutvalar's more audacious escapes um is that in when he's in Lucknow um it's said that he offers his guard 10,000 rupees in return for assistance to escape disguised as a prison officer. And Natvalal hands over this wedge, wedge of cash before making his escape. But when, um, when this prison officer uh, who helps him escape opens up the bundle of notes that he's given, um, only the outside notes were genuine and the rest of the notes were pieces of paper. So again, you know, um, stupid prison officer, um, clever not for lol, um, you know, wh- how stu- the levels of stupidity there, um, on whether that was true or not, again, questionable, but fun story, hey? Um, and then when Natvalar was arrested in Indore, um, he was charged with multiple fraud offences and the Indore court ordered Natvalar to be transferred to Mumbai to stand for trial. Once in Mumbai, he was remanded in police custody for a week and during this week, um, Natvalar started complaining of an illness and taken to hospital. Um, he, was retri- he was treated for... Um, a kidney disorder and he was in hospital for some time with this um with this illness 
And so it would appear that this illness was actually genuine and he must have been, he was in hospital for a couple of weeks, I think in total. So he must have been in a pretty bad shape to need to stay in hospital for that long. Um, and then when Nutvalar was eventually discharged from hospital, he was accompanied by a police constable and the pair entered a taxi, um, which set out for the Taj Mahal hotel. Um, and, and then once they were at the hotel, they would then presumably transfer to prison. And en route, Nutvalar escapes, um, which makes that the seventh escape of his career. Um, it must have been, yeah, I'm just imagining uh, him being maybe slightly frail, recovering from his stint in hospital. Um, so yeah, that's pretty pretty impressive if if that is indeed what happened and then um it's reported that Nutvalar in the numerous occasions where he was arrested um was sentenced in total to 113 years in prison um but throughout his life he only serves 20 years in prison and he escapes from jail eight times um, and now here's the bit where I go on to his disguises because um, as as you as you heard, um, Nutvalol uh, disguises himself as a prison officer in one of his prison breaks. Um, so alongside being a very good forger, Nutvalol is also very well known for his disguises. And um, it was said that he had over 50 different aliases, which enabled Nutvalol to open up various bank accounts um, in order to facilitate um, primarily those jewellery and purchase order cons that I was talking about. And the other disguises um, Nutvalol would typically adopt on, on the job, as it were, would be government officials. And that kind of opened doors for him. Um, so it opened doors to the rich and the elite and socially privileged so he could infiltrate that group and gain trust amongst his victims without needing a complicated backstory of social connections that you would need otherwise to give a convincing disguise to be a member of the old boys club. And that kind of takes me over to um, this, um, what I guess is kind of the headline piece of the Nutvalar story, which is um, his selling off of national landmarks. So um, Nutvalar is famous for a lot, and this is perhaps the most eye-catching part of Nutvalar's um, infamy. Um, so he had this habit, uh, let's call it, of fraudulently selling famous landmarks to foreigners and posing as various government officials and then forging the signatures of prominent public figures. And he manages to do this several times with the same landmark. So he manages to sell the Taj Mahal to gullible foreigners, not once, not twice, but thrice. And it's also purported that he sold the Red Fort, uh, which is in Delhi, and the Rasharapti Bhavan, which is the pres which is also in Delhi, and it's the presidential palace. I've absolutely butchered that. I'm so sorry. And then Nutvalar even fraudulently sold the Parliament Building, and then um, kind of jokingly in the paperwork. Uh, 
they in included in the paperwork were the members of parliament as part of the deal <laughs> again you know maybe this is part of the legend but i kind of love um i find it very um a kind of warming story in the um with his scams um these these kind of um gullible businessmen and foreign like foreign businessmen um get not only scammed by him but there's also this kind of like butt of a joke as well alongside that with the the MPs of Parliament being sold with the deal as well and there's there's always this uh, there seems to always be this um kind of uh yeah very jokey um, element to all of this and who knows if this is you know part of the legend and probably it is to some extent um but there we go um and then I'm just gonna uh talk about um Nat Valar's like later life and death so then um Nat Valar was last seen at New Delhi railway station in 1996 aged approximately 84 and apparently he was being transferred from prison to hospital for treatment but he apparently vanishes escaping from his wheelchair and was never recaptured um, the, the year and the circumstances of Nutvalol's death are unclear. It's alleged by his brother that Nutvalol died in 1996. Um, however, his lawyer in 2009 filed documentation to close open cases involving Nutvalol on the basis that he had died. So there is some discourse that um, Nutvalol died in 2009. But it looks as though the the lawyer um, filing that documentation in 2009 was apparently just purely administrative. Um, and so it doesn't necessarily, um, it doesn't necessarily make claim that he died in 2009. It's just that um, this administrative process happened then. Um, but I think that does really illustrate the uncertainty as to exactly what happened to Nutvalar after 1996 and again there is kind of discussion over whether that really is part of this another scam um, in all of this as well. So Nutvalar is clearly prolific and films have been made about his life including a film starring Amitabh Bachchan as um, playing Nat Valal. and for those um, who are uninitiated Amitabh Bachchan is an absolute titan of Bollywood film um, think about a slightly older um, slightly more kind of statement like uh, version of George Clooney and it's kind of ironic that this Amitabh Bachchan guy um, google him if you don't know him actually I think it's worth having a look at because ironically Nutvalar himself wasn't much of a looker and it said that he had a pot belly and he was five foot tall and if you have a look again google what Nutvalar looked like he had this kind of um he had this sort of um comic villain moustache you could really um there's a picture particularly um which is black and white and it's kind of like this mugshot um it might even be a mugshot actually and you could really imagine that on 
a um, kind of mid-century wanted poster um, and it's just the casting of that I'm really unsure about. I haven't actually seen this Nutvalol film with Amitabh Bachchan um, playing Nutvalol but um, the yeah the two does don't really I don't think that there's really much of a a semblance in terms of looks <laughs> with the two um but there we go um i think that this kind of casting though shows that within india there is something very kind of captivating and romantic about um Natvalov's story and the way that popular culture has looked at this character and um I think there must have ultimately, just looking generally at what he did, um, there must have been something very convincing and likeable and charming about Nutvalol in order for him to really kind of um, pull off quite a lot of his um, quite a lot of his hustles. And it was said that a retired police superintendent who um, had met Nutvalol, um, commented that he stood out um, to him from all of the other criminals that he, this guy had ever dealt with and described Nutvalol as articulate, articulate, erudite and armed with a sugar-coated tongue, which, yeah, that sounds about right. If um, if if he, he did really pull off all of this stuff, he would have really needed all of that. <laughs> It's also kind of interesting the way um, that Nutvalol is really um, loved and respected uh, in his hometown. So um, I think there's something really interesting about the way we look at home, like our hometowns and our local communities. So the town I live in, for example, um, there is this commemorative blue plaque on a building which proudly informs passers-by that Charles Dickens once stayed overnight in the building and um, it's kind of weird that they put a blue plaque on a building for that because it's not, Charles Dickens wasn't born in that building, he never even lived there, he just sort of maybe went on holiday there once, or was maybe passing through once, but they still want to kind of put this big blue plaque on this building as a claim to some kind of fame about Charles Dickens, and I just find that really odd, and yeah, um, I just think super famous and infamous links to a town work in mysterious ways um and with not for and with not he becomes this kind of nationally known figure and um there is this real um sense of local pride um with the village of bangra and um not and um yeah there's this pride essentially that um, their village produced the guy who became one of the most prolific con artists in Indian history and there, there was even at one point popular demand for a statue of Nutvalal to be commissioned um, and uh, put on display in the village to kind of keep the local legend alive and I guess alongside this pride there is um, this I guess appreciation for Nutvalal because he did go back to his village 
and he um the community essentially profited from Natvalov's spoils um because he would go back and he would give money back to his community so i mean i guess the way that people look at Natvalov um is this sort of um i kind of see it as this like lovable rogue persona um uh but throughout this i've kind of um issued a, a health warning as it were about um this difficulty that that um there is with separating fact from fiction with um with Nutvalal and he does really seem like this is kind of India's answer to catch me if you can and he is this sort of um this kind of Frank Abagnale-esque uh character and um he he does seem to be presented in a very similar way to Frank Abagnale as this kind of fraudster who commits crimes which are seemingly victimless and um, crimes against individuals and corporations with really deep pockets so um, I think people sort of have this lovable rogue perception of him because they're just like oh well you know um, these people could afford to be scammed and it, you know no harm done and he gave money back to his local community um, but I think there's probably collateral in all of this you know um he escaped from prison and there may have been bungling prison officials and police and who you know people probably lost their jobs out of that and and i just i think there are probably um other people along the way that were uh perhaps victims of his crime um financially or maybe not financially um as well that that were um victims in a more traditional sense that that um sort of more serious consequences um arose so there are some less flattering stories of Natvala on his crimes as well so his origin story involves him stealing from a neighbour um, who probably could ill afford losing a thousand rupees which for the time and for the area was a lot of money and then also early on in Calcutta there are accounts of Natvala cheating and stealing from sex workers and there are just less flattering stories that are dwarfed by this larger than life Robin Hood type behaviour and so it does make me wonder um, if the story is presented as perhaps overly sympathetic towards Natvalal. So Natvalal's name and story is so well known in India that his name has become a verb as well as a noun and it's a term that's used to describe a whole host of fraud um, so he's really become firmly cemented as, um, as you know, the kind of key con artist of of India to the point that he's his his name is used as part of everyday language associated with scams. So that was kind of my overview of the prolific con artist Nutvalal and I hope you enjoyed the ride and next week I'm going to be talking about another scandal and in the meantime if you like what you hear please rate, review and subscribe um, so you don't miss your fat cat fix and I'll catch you next time.